Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024, and today we're reading from the big book, and we're in the doctor's opinion, page XXX, the second paragraph. The classification of alcoholics seems most difficult through one paragraph ending with make many resolutions but never a decision. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Maria B., for the 12 traditions, Naomi GB, and reading the text are Nancy R. and Danny, and the backup is Lindsay W. The newcomer greeter is Karen W., and the host of the second hour is Christina G. The reference number is 22nd, 2024, for the 7 a.m. meeting is 21058, that's 21,058. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 21,059, that's 21059. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Maria B. to read the 12 steps. Hi, I'm Maria B. I'm a compulsive overeater in Vermont. Here are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Maria B. Okay, I will now ask Naomi GB to read the 12 traditions. 
Thanks, Katie. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm a compulsive overeater. My name is Naomi um, GB from Ontario, Canada. The 12 traditions. Uh, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there's but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contribution. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to do service. I pass. Thank you, Naomi GB. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today, we resume our study in the big book. We're in the doctor's opinion, page XXX. The second paragraph, the classification of alcoholics seems most difficult through that one paragraph ending with make many resolutions but never a decision. I will, ask, I will ask Nancy R. to begin reading. Good morning. It's Nancy R. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Northwest Illinois. The classification of alcoholics seems most difficult and in much detail is outside the scope of this book. There are, of course, the psychopaths who are emotionally unstable. We are all familiar with this type. They are always going on the wagon for keeps. They are over-remorseful and make many resolutions, but never a decision. So the one word I have underlined in this paragraph is decision. 
um, because uh, I needed to make a decision to surrender uh, to do this work. And um, yeah, and I didn't make that decision for a long, long time. I was many times over remorseful, made many resolutions, um, but it took me a long time to surrender to the decision that I needed to surrender to um, in order to be well. And so um, I can relate to what in the big book they're calling psychopaths, which um, I, you know, think of, I, I certainly don't think of myself as a psychopath, but, you know, I do have um, some of the, uh, some of the, definition of what a psychopath is when I'm in my disease, um, you know, uh, mentally unstable where, you know, the strange, uh, twist of my mind is telling me lies that I'm believing. Um, like when I was in my relapse a little over two years ago, I, the strange twist of my mind was telling me that I didn't care, you know, like um, I, I could, I'd would rather stay where I was in the horror of the food, the unmanageability of my life than to um, do what I knew I needed to do, which was to make a phone call, ask someone to sponsor me and, and do what they said. And so I wouldn't make the decision. And I was, um, mentally unstable in that I was listening to my disease. So I wasn't the textbook definition of a psychopath. Like this wasn't how I was throughout all of my life. But this part of me, um, you know, I was always going to go on the wagon. I was always going to, you know, like get abstinent and stay there. And, um, and it and it 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 never worked until um, I thankfully made the decision to make that phone call. And knowing that if I made that phone call to that sponsor, that person I wanted to sponsor me, that I was saying yes to do what that person told me to do, uh, because I knew that was the only way. And uh, I thank God. I thank my higher power. Um, for the willingness to make that decision. And that's all I well, have. Thanks. Please. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, although, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on the second paragraph on page XXX? Katie Lisa, Alex G. Melissa C. I heard... Joanne B. Leia S. Okay, just one second, please. Um, here's who I heard, and let me know if I missed you. I heard Katie G, Chrissy Jane, Joanne B, Leia S, Melissa C. Who else did I miss? Lisa Alex who did B. I miss? Alec B. Uh-huh. Is someone else? Lisa. 
Someone's trying to talk. I can't hear you. Okay, let's go with this lineup. Katie G, Christy Jane, Joanne B, Leah S, Melissa C, and Alex B. Go ahead, please, Katie. Good morning, Katie. This is... Yep, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, everyone. Katie G, recovered in Boston. Grateful to be here. Absent and grateful. Grace. And, um, you know, um, I know we're talking about being active in the disease. And a lot of times I hear, obviously, active in the disease for me is about my restriction and about eating and binging and starving and being obsessive about the scale. I also need to remember, like, that entire abstinence, which we are coming up on, the only relief the doctor has to suggest is entire abstinence, which I believe with my whole heart. I also think it's important for me to remember that um, when I'm not in the food and I don't have um, a God of my understanding, I definitely am a psychopath. I'm I'm emotionally unstable. I rage. I'm afraid. I'm yelling. I'm hiding. Because food and exercise and my body weight was never the problem. It was always the solution. And I know we hear this all the time, but it is really, really important for me to remember, like when I was, um, when I am, excuse me, I'm not currently, obviously I'm recovered. So um, thank you, God. Um, When I am abstinent, entirely abstinent, abstinence can't be my solution, right? Like I become Um, my thinking, my emotional thinking, my self-centered thinking. Like if you look at me, I'm going to take it personally. I'm going to make it all about me. I'm self-centered to the extreme. That is the root of my disease. Selfishness, self-centeredness, dishonesty, and fear. And I'm unable to process reality without emotional instability, without, um, you know, trying to, um, uh, the psychopath is a person characterized by emotions, outbursts, lack of sound judgment, and that's me, sober, that's me, abstinent, and I'll make tons of resolutions, I mean, who didn't, like, new new year, new you, like, it's Monday, let me, I'm going to try again, or Sunday morning, hit the gym, like, how many resolutions of decision, that word comes from the Latin word Cheeto, which means to cut away all other options. And when I became really desperate, dying, and doomed, in abstinence, sure, honey, one second, in abstinence, right? So like completely following my weight and measured food plan and doing the drill, um, I needed to make a decision, right? I needed to, food could not be an option anymore. And the only decision that came to me after being beaten down miserably once again was cutting away all other options and turning to OA. And um, I'll just wrap with this. I didn't know if OA was going to work for me again. I didn't know. But all I knew is that what I was doing was 1,000% not working. And I rely on that today. Like, I'm not in the outcomes business. I am in the action business. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Uh, Chrissy Jane, you're up, followed by Joanne B. Hi, this is Chrissy Jane. And um, uh, the, the, the mental illness 
that I have is in my thinking. The whole program is between my ears. And I don't want to admit that. And also, I don't want to do the work. I have a, you know, I come to OA or go to a meeting or call a sponsor. And in my mind, I think, you know, I'm going to go up the elevator and I'm going to be better. And that's it. I don't see the one foot in front of the other that I have to do, which is the work, which is the writing, which is the calling, which is the getting involved with other people and getting out of myself that is required to get me out of my fantasy world, which is where I have lived my whole life. I have lived in a Disney fantasy that I'm every, that um, everything that everything is going to be, work out. That my Prince Charming is going to come and carry me away. And I took a whole year and and kind of had a fit. When I was 40 and I said, I'm a good person. When do I get my happily ever after? Here I am. I've been working and doing this and taking care of everybody and da-da-da and this and that and this and that. And when do I get my happily ever after? So naturally, that was impossible to get because my goals are outrageous. There is no happily ever after, ever. Maybe in heaven, but but that's that's the end point, whatever. But I was I was angry for an entire year, and got out of bed, stomping my feet about that, until I got over it. But it really helped me. Just. Just admit, I've got to follow the suggestions, the decisions, and quit saying, but, 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 and why, and why, and why, and I don't have time, or whatever my excuses were. I had to, I had to take them, put them in a garbage bag, and throw them out. Okay. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Chrissy Jane. Okay, Joanne B, you're up, followed by Leah S. Good morning. Um, this is Joanne B. I recovered in Vermont. Um, yeah, making a decision. Making a decision to me is different from making a pledge or a promise to myself, even. Because I couldn't rely on myself to say, okay, I'm not going to eat popcorn for the next week. Or I'm not going to stop at the store and get chocolate bar and whatever else it was um, tomorrow or the next week. I could not trust myself anymore. I was completely out of ideas when it came to food, and it was just getting worse. And I could see it getting worse. And I was scared. 
I I had tried multiple times and been very successful losing weight, but again and again, I would the weight would come back, and it was just baffling to me. I didn't know <clears throat> what is the problem, and you know the media. You know, you read, oh, diets don't work. It has to be an eating plan. It has to be a lifestyle. All these different things, <clears throat> which worked for a while until they didn't. Until I could not deal with, you know, the emotions I was feeling. Um, my father had passed away, and I was in grief, and. Um, I was going to the store and, like, getting not just one thing. I get two or three things and eat them in the car. I was doing – it was just getting worse. It was it's progressive. And then, you know, some for some reason, I had a moment of clarity. And they talk about that in the big book. I had this moment of clarity when a friend of mine called me and talked to me and said she was going to OA and it was helping her. And something happened. I think it was my God moment. Um, I hung up the phone and I went on to a meeting and immediately I was like, I, I was hopeful. I had hope. And it just, I've been abstinent ever since. And that was like maybe 14, 15 months ago. I am so grateful for that. I made a decision and a decision is, um, to me a lot different from just saying, okay, I'm just going to try and not eat something. This was a decision to turn my will and my uh, life over to um, the care of God, my higher power. And I've been able to do that with the help of a sponsor and with the help of everybody here on this line. And I don't, I don't need the food anymore. It's that that obsession is gone. So, anyway, thanks for letting me share today. Everybody have a great day, and I pass. Thank you, Joanne. Leah S., you're out, followed by Melissa C. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much. My name is Leah S., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And um, I'll have you uh, all know that I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater each and every single day, every day. Every morning, that's what I am. Because when I wake up in the morning, I am who I am. And I know that there is a God over here in my life, within me. But I I need to let go of my expectations when I wake up every morning. I have certain expectations. Got to do this. Got to do happen this. Got to got to become this. And and this has got to uh, you know. I got to let go of my expectations, and first and foremost, make this decision. I am not in control in any which way in my life, and then I have choices. I have choices of what I decide and what I don't decide with God's help. And then I I, I just, um, you know, I, I, I admit to myself, I am a compulsive overreader. And 
my choices come in automatically because I no longer want to hurt my body. I no longer want to hurt myself. And I want to live. I want to be able to actually take part in my life that God has decided for me. And um, that doesn't mean about um, uh, bossing you. It doesn't mean about all the other things that I used to do where my will had to come over yours and um, just just go along with the flow that God decided for me today. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Leah S. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Alec B. Good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, I, I read this paragraph and I, you know, the word that kind of like would sucker punch me would be the psychopath, you know, and I'm like, I remember for years and years um, thinking, really, I just, I just overweight. I too much food. And, and words like that, I would, I would say, well, that might have you know, an alcoholic. I could see that for someone who drinks alcohol, but not for me. I just eat, you know, I just eat a lot of cake or I eat a lot of cookies. And um, when I really, you know, there was a beauty that happened for me when I when I really hit my bottom and that it became really clear to me that my problem was not just that I needed to lose weight and that I ate too much food. It was that I was acting in ways that were antisocial. You know, that's really that word up, when I looked it up, the, the, one of the defining factors is antisocial behavior. You know, I had a beautiful family that I was um, hiding from, you know, sitting in parked cars, eating, I say I was eating food that was meant to be eaten at a table, but I was eating it with my hands in the dark in a parking lot. And meanwhile, there's my family. And that's antisocial, you know, or I would be in a room with people and um, only thinking about how my body is in comparison to everybody around me and how much time am I going to have to stomach them before I can get to the food by myself. You know, that's antisocial behavior. And I was all making resolutions, which to me is, you know, is promises with nothing to back them up because I didn't have the required power live in agreement with the promises that I was making, you know, and I made those resolutions all the time. Um, they were always going to be dependent upon my ability to do something different, and I don't have the ability. So really the decision is, you know, when we, we read it in the book, it's we have two choices. One is to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the intolerance of this situation as best we can, which means eat myself into a food barely living. And the other one is to accept spiritual help, you know, and that was the decision I needed to make. I needed to say, I am out of ideas. I am unable to do this on my own. I need help. And, you know, for me, the miracle happened when, when I said that and I meant it and I accepted the spiritual help that was provided to me. People gave their spiritual assistance. They put my hands in the hands of God, and um, my life has been unbelievably transformed as a result 
And that miracle is possible for anybody who wants it and then surrenders. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Alex B., you're up, and then we'll ask, uh, we'll open it up for more shares. And we're on page XXX, the second paragraph, um, the classification of alcoholics, that one paragraph. Go ahead, please, Alex. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Alec B. from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, restrictor and compulsive overeater, recovered uh, for today by, by God's grace and, and because of this program. Um, yeah, this dynamic between resolutions and decisions or a decision is so resonant with me because it's, it's so human, right, to make resolutions. Our culture is all about resolutions. And, and sort of built into it is this sort of joke, this cultural joke, that they fail. We make a new resolution. It doesn't work. Um, uh, but also for me, in my experience, I, I've been very good at making resolutions. You know, I, I make a resolution to read this, this book in the year or this many books, and I do it, or to, to go to the gym, and I do it, or whatever, based on my own will, my own power, my own planning. Um, but for this disease, resolutions didn't work because it was stronger than my own power, right? Because of the, the, the mental twist, because of the, the substance, I just went back and forth for too long of overeating and then feeling bad about myself, feeling ashamed, and then over-exercising and not eating enough, which then triggered again the need to overeat. And it took a lot of resolution. It took a lot of relapses too, because I came into this program and I wanted to lose the weight uh, more than I wanted to start exercising. Right? I wanted to lose the weight. That's what I wanted. Uh, but I also wanted to stop overeating. Um, and then I wanted to get out of here, right? I wanted to come in and get recovered, whatever that meant, and then get out. Um, but that's not how the program works. It's based in this reception, this reception of the whole program, right? a, a, a surrender to a relationship with God who asks so much of us, but only asks it so as to serve us, right? Only asks for our obedience and our, our hearts because he knows that, that, that his love is worth it, that it's going to give us everything we need. And so for me, when I was able to finally look at what God was offering me and accept it and make that decision, I'm going to be part of all of it, right? For me, the 12 step was so scary and, and I wasn't willing to do it. And because I wasn't willing to do it, I couldn't find recovery because then I wasn't willing to pass it on. And I need to be willing to put my self-will down and my need to control down and my need to make resolutions and do it and say, no, 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 no. It's not about what I do, but what God has done, what God is doing, what God will do. And every day when I get up uh, early and I pray and I say, Lord, who do you want me to help today? Where do you want me to go today? How do you want me to pray today? That's the decision. It's not my own willpower. It's not my own need to control. It's, it's, it's my need to just surrender and let myself be loved and be accepted and not judge myself for my body and not judge myself for my food, uh, uh, but rather surrender that, surrender that shame, surrender that guilt, and then I'm able to live freely. And that's how it's been for me. I'm now at the weight my doctor wants me to be. I've been stable in that for a long time. I'm free from the food. I'm neutral about exercise because of our ice storm yesterday. I couldn't exercise for another uh, several days. And yet I'm not worried about it because my fundamental identity is, is Time, a child uh, of God. And so thank you for listening. And with that, I pass. Alec B. from St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Thank you so much, Alec. Okay. Who 
If you haven't shared in the last couple of days, who would like to share on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Kelly Page. Kelly S. Rosie W. Okay, there was someone from Colorado. Julie M. Okay. And then I heard um, Kelly S. and Rosie W. Who else? Lisa N. Wisconsin. Lisa N. Was that N as in Nancy? That's right. Okay. NWH. NWH. Okay, we have time for a couple more. Stephanie R. Stephanie R. Donna M. Donna M. Okay, let's stop there, and then if we have time for more, we'll add them. Okay, Julie M., Kelly S., Rosie W., Lisa N., Ken W. H., Stephanie R., and Donna M. Go ahead, please, Julie. Hi, I'm Julie M., recovered and the two words that jump out to me in this paragraph are psychopath and decision and when I look at the word psychopath as a personality characterized by persistent antisocial behavior impaired empathy bold disinherited egotistical traits and I know that the opposite uh, is being physical. Oh, and I know that in this book, when it talks about a decision, it's talking about three, where it's made decision. And my will and my will serve God as I am God. And so those, those are pulling someone who's truly psychopath does not have even remotely the capability to do anything that is not centered in self. And the solution in this book is to go to God, which is the complete opposite of living in self-will. And so what this tells me is that this program of action that has saved my life is completely available to anybody on this planet, unless they're a complete, really a psychopath. And, you know, it thinks, makes me think of the saying, this is not a program for people who want it. It's not a program for people who need it. I believe probably everybody on this planet could use this program. It's a program for people who do it. And so for me personally, taking the action to find a God was not easy. I came into program not believing in God at all. Um, I was raised by people who said, you know, those people who go to church are sheep and, you know, you have to have self-will. And I also had some experiences as a child that were so painful that when I realized that I needed to believe in God in order to have what I saw that I wanted in, in people in my meetings, I was just devastated for a while because I was like, how do I get to God? I have no idea how to do that. 
and the pain of of realizing that and thinking, well, when there's no God, then I'm okay. But if there's a God and they let that happen to me, which happened to me as a child, then I'm worth even less than if there's no God. And it was a struggle for me to come to believe in God, but I have, I couldn't even say the word God for years. It was just like a mass in my throat. And, you know, now I say source, I say love of the universe, and I'm so grateful in this book allowed to choose a god of our own understanding and there are so many different words in this book time please and with that i'll pass thank you julie m okay kelly s you're up followed by rosie w good morning guys uh kelly s recovered compulsive eater and bulimic in tulsa oklahoma thanks katie for your service uh i really appreciate all the definitions that everybody gave on psychopaths um, one of the things I was told as I read the big book was not to uh, look for ways I identified out, but ways I identified it. And even though I'm like, psychopath, I'm like, but I was definitely made lots of resolutions I couldn't keep. And I know the, uh, the story goes on, and I think in the next couple paragraphs, there's four more descriptions. And the truth is, I fall into all five, right? It doesn't matter. I don't have to figure out which one of these five, because I'm all five of them. I'm telling you, as, you, as we read on the next few days. Um, the point is, I'm different. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not normal. I don't react to certain foods and su- certain food behaviors um, like some people do. Right? That once I start, I can't stop. I create that phenomenon of craving, um, that that allergy, which is what this entire chapter is about. That I just didn't understand, especially with food behaviors. I mean, how is that going to kick in an allergy? Right? But it does. My experience tells me that. And I've done so many resolutions outside these rooms than inside of these rooms. In fact, more in these rooms because the truth is, guys, I've been here longer than I've been uh, not in the rooms because I'm, I've been in these rooms for 40 years and I'm 60. So I think I'm actually 61. Anyway, long time. A lot of resolutions that tomorrow I'm really going to start working tomorrow, my program. Tomorrow I'm really going to start making calls. Tomorrow I'm really going to start why am I food playing down and keeping? I'm going to go to more meetings. I'm going to call my sponsor, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, all these resolutions in the room. Because why? I thought I still had power, I guess. You know what? It is step one question for me a lot of times because I forget I'm powerless over this allergy and I'm powerless over my desire to stop eating. So, yes, I have to first admit that I do have this allergy, this phenomenon of craving that sets me apart. I have to get my, the, you know, the ability to set the food down. You know, get this food plan and, and find my allergic foods and my allergic behaviors. But how do I do that? Well, guess what? This book's going to give me instructions. I got to get busy. You know, I have to work these steps. Why am I working these steps? Why do I have to do all this work? It's not just to check it off and check it off, which is what I did before. It's to get a connection with God. It's to get a relationship because I lacked power. So even though I can finally say, yes, I have an allergy to the body. I have behaviors. I have foods. But I need help. I can't stop. Even though, okay, I can identify him. Great. That's great news. It is. It's good information. But how do I get the ability to get this power? So this is where now I have to take the action. I have to work these steps. And I have to get a connection with God. Because when it really comes down to it, I have to have this higher power, this God that I choose to call God today, that's going to give me the ability not only to put the food down, to keep the food down. And for whatever reason, the steps are my map, right, to this treasure and I have to do this work. And so grateful today that I'm willing to do that. With that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. 
Thank you, Kelly S. Okay, Rosie W., you're up, followed by Lisa M. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, uh, my name's Rosie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in the UK um, with a stinking cold, so excuse my my voice. Um, I, over the years, have pondered um, the difference between a resolution and a decision. Um, and a f something happened to me recently, which really brought great clarity, actually, to the difference for me with my own surrender. Um, I was approached by a woman recently who seemed to know me and I had no idea who she was. And then she said, it's me, your, your hairdresser. <laughs> I didn't. She was about a quarter of the size that she had been the last time I saw her. And I was I was astonished. And I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I just didn't recognize you at all. And she laughed and she said, oh, yeah, I went to Turkey and um, had a tummy tuck or a gastric something. I can't remember one of those operations. And she seemed so happy, She's so happy. She was like a different woman. And I have to be honest, it bothered me. It wasn't that there was a part of me that wanted to go to Turkey and have, you know, gastric band or whatever she'd had. When I took it through inventory, I realised that I was envious of how simple and easy her solution was and how she just saved some money, did a thing, went away, came back and boom, her life seemed to be beautiful. The very next day, I had a call from a friend of mine in another fellowship who um, just told me he'd lost um, about £100 using that drug. I can't remember what it's called. It's got a funny name, but I believe lots of people are taking it at the moment that sort of stops you eating this sort of miracle drug. And um, and again, I had the same reaction. You know, I didn't I didn't want that drug, but I was envious that he got to just pop a pill once a day or twice a day or whatever it was and just lost a hundred pounds and, you know, problem solved. <laughs> Two days after that, I turned up at um, a family member's house and this family member um, who I'm not directly related to has struggled for years and years with food and he's 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 one of us he has told me he's one of us he's just not he's not interested in our solution and I spotted that he had this drug in the fridge and at this point I nearly shouted out god what are you trying to do to me what's the learning here I can't stand it all of these people just getting this easier softer way and I there's a part of me that still wants that and then I we went out for dinner that night and um he he was eating everything in sight this this dear dear family member and and I watched him continue to do so for the whole weekend. And I finally realised he wasn't taking the drug. He wasn't taking the drug because he wanted to eat more than he wanted to take the drug. And I finally realised, ah, right, OK. And this is what would have happened to me, too. I would have got the drug and then I wouldn't have been able to take it because I would have wanted to eat more than I would have wanted to be slim. I would always have done what he he had done because I'm a true compulsive overeater. I'm a hard eater. Um, and there is no there is no trick for me <laughs> other than the daily trudge through these steps. Um, and I'm fine Time, with that please. today. <clears throat> Thank you. And it just reminded me, yeah, that, that a resolution was what I spent years making, but a decision to stop eating was a completely different thing. And to make that decision, I needed to believe and to come to believe I needed to admit that I was powerless. And I just didn't have that till I found these rooms. So I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rosie W. Lisa N., you're up, followed by Ken W.H. Good morning, and thank you for your service today. Lisa N. from Wisconsin. Um, 
I, it's been really wonderful hearing everybody share, and um, I too zoned in on the word psychopath. And the reason is, is because, you know, that word is, it's like terrifying, but it's like there's been humor about it on television. You can see um, been stories in the newspaper about psychopaths. So there's like a, it's like a really uh, intense word, and for me anyway, to hear it. And I often thought my mother was a psychopath because of the way she behaved and treated us growing up and her irrational behavior. Um, she was a loud psychopath. But I was a quiet psychopath, and I think that's worse because quiet psychopaths can go under the wire and um, not get help, whereas somebody who is, you know, like really loud and obvious, like somebody might say, hey, we got to put them in some kind of hospital or something. But I could go under the wire, as I said, because I would smile and I was pleasant and I was helpful at school and where my kids went to school, but really at home, you know, you looked at my house, it was chaos. It was, it was a mess. Um, dishes weren't done, clothes piled up. I, I was, I was, I had traits of a psychopath, antisocial behavior, narcissism, superficial charm, impulsivity, lack of guilt, lack of empathy, uh, unemotional traits. I did all of that. That was, I was that. But I didn't recognize it in my own self, even, which is scary. But other people did. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, you know, I didn't understand why people didn't want to do things with me. Um, so, uh, in my family, you know, I, I, it was really hard for them, I'm sure, to live with me. So I look at this and I say, well, how come it's different now? Well, besides the fact that I have a 12-step program, it's really a higher power. You can't change uh, defects or common traits like, or these traits like this without some kind of a higher power. And if you relate to any of those, you know that, you know, it's just something that you you have. And it's not that you're a bad person. Like they say, I love this. You're not a bad person trying to get good. You're a sick person trying to get well. And um, that's only with a higher power in my mind. And I didn't want to do what it took. But thank God I did. And thank God I was brought to this place where I needed, needed a higher power. And I needed a program. And I needed people who understood me. So thanks so much for letting me share. Thank you so much, Lisa N. Ken WH, you're up, followed by Stephanie R. Thank you, Katie. Uh, I think what I was going to say has all been said, so I'm just going to step back, let someone else have some time. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, Ken. Um, Stephanie R., you're up, followed by Donna M. Thank you. Stephanie R., calling from Missouri. Um, really wanted to identify in today because it was um, – the shares were just so very um, touching to me, and they really, really opened my heart to looking at myself and seeing that uh, I identify in not as only as a compulsive overeater, but the psychopath. I mean, that's that's a strong word, and for me, when I hear that, it, it gets somewhat 
brings up some anxiety because there's mental illness in my family. I have a sister who's schizophrenic, and my father was a narcissist. And, and I thought, my God, do I have to take the label of a psychopath? And when I think about it, it's it's just, it explains a lot of my relationship with with my food, with other people, and it makes me feel humble. I have humility in understanding that this doesn't identify me as a person. It's something that I I help define my my illness, and I know that I'm mentally ill. I know this addiction is. I also know that I can turn it over to my higher power, and when I do that on a daily basis. I do have that peace. I do have that connection with other people that I have so looked for all of my life. And it's only when I get into isolation and sitting back and not claiming my seat that I that I let that, that ego come in and say, you really aren't that sick. You really can't do this with just God. You don't need other people. And um, I pause. I learn to pause now and say, God, what am I supposed to do here? How am I supposed to address this situation? How am I supposed to proceed? And when I do that, I get that peace and serenity that that this program says I can have. I always felt I was unique and that I wasn't allowed the same recovery of other people, but that's just a choice my ego wants me to have. And I'm really grateful today that I can be here. I can say that, yep. I'm an addict, I'm a psychopath, I'm whatever label you want to put me, but I am a child of God, and I am recovering today, and I'm so very grateful I'm here, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Stephanie R. Okay, Donna M., you're up, and then we should have time for one more, so get ready if someone else wants to join in. Donna M., star one. Donna M. Okay, well, Donna seems to be having trouble. Are there a couple of other people who would like to share on this paragraph? Page XXX, the second paragraph, the classification of alcoholics. Hanayeta Otter from Texas. I'm sorry. Hanayeta? are from Texas, yes. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Oh, um, my name is Honayetta, and I am a compulsive eater, compulsive overeater, both. Um, Thank you for your service. Thank you, everybody, for their shares. I really wasn't planning on sharing, but this word that everybody's talking about. Um, I went to treatment for my eating disorder way back a long time ago. Um, I think in the I think in the 80s, maybe 90s, late 80s, and um, after I was in after I was in recovery. And um, the lady there said to me one day, she goes, you're a psychopath. And 
I was shocked by she saying something like that. And yet, I really didn't know what that meant. Um, so I got off the when So when our time was over in our session, I went and called my husband and said, what is a psychopath? And there are a couple of things maybe that, you know, that I can place on me, but I was definitely not, um, you know, uh, emotionally unable to, to, to deal with things or I'm not sure all the definition of it. I was going to look it up before I shared, but, um, so I went back and I said, are you just trying to make me angry because I'm not angry at what's going on? Are you just, you know, what, well, I don't know why you would say that, but that is not a definition that I would, a word I would describe me. And it was very, un, very weird because nobody ever talked in the meetings unless they were called on. And like four people out of the um, probably 15 that were there said, that's not a definition for Hanayeta. You know, she's not a psychopath. But regardless of that, I think sometimes we put labels and people take on labels and we don't have to. And or me, I don't have to take on labels just because it says it in the book. I don't have to take on labels that people call me even, you know, like in my surroundings. I have to go to God and ask him if that is a word that suits me and find out what that means to me. And that was not a word that suited me. And so I, I learned that my higher power, he's the one who can label me. He's the one who can give me the ability to see right from wrong, to see Black and not black and white. Time, please. Thank you. Uh, thank you for letting me share. Okay. Well, thank you, Hanayeta. Okay, we have less than a minute. Would someone like to take just one minute? Debbie. Okay, I heard Debbie first. Go ahead, please, Debbie, for one minute. I didn't hear your initial. Okay. Debbie B. as in boy from Utah. Thank you. I was just thinking about how when I first read this paragraph, I immediately identified in with that's going to be me. I'm going to be the psychopath who is emotionally unstable and I'm not going to be able to get this program. That's going to be the me. I'm going to be that percentage. And I was also thinking about, and that has not proved to be true. Um, not saying I'm not unstable. <laughs> I'm not a psychopath. Just saying I was able to do the program. I was also thinking about the, the woman who mentioned people who have had weight loss surgery done and, and used drugs, and I have thought about that too, and I know that God wanted me in this program because of all that it has offered me in my life in so many ways, in my marriage, in my relationships, and I don't have any side effects. I don't have any side effects from drugs. I don't have to recover from the surgery. And I have a friend that did do the surgery, and she just couldn't stop eating the small amounts that she had to eat to keep her stomach small. Eventually, it stretched back out. And so there are always side effects, but there's no side effects in program except being able to think more clearly and see more clearly so that I can be a better person. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrequited. 
recorded our study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, Tuesday, January 23rd, 7 a.m. meeting, is 21,061. That's 21061. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Danny, please, Danny P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is next. Star one, Danny. Okay, Danny. Yes, we can hear you now. Katie, thank you so much for your service. Hi, I'm Danny P. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, only by God's grace and mercy. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you. We cannot hear you, Danny. Danny, star one. Hi, can I be heard? Now you can. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you so much. I'm just waiting for the recording to stop. Okay, I'll do it.